Hello friends and welcome to Monday's Kings of Anglia podcast. I'm your host Mark Heath and with me two men this week. Stuart Watson rotated onto a day off but with me I'm pleased to say first of all in his office resplendent with various town shirts a rugby shirt behind you an egg chaser in your on your days off Andy Warren how are you my friend? A reformed a reformed egg chaser yeah um I'd never ever attended a rugby match in my life before then becoming a rugby journalist, which um, my, so my very first rugby match in 2009, I covered Worcester Warriors. I'd never, ever been to a game before. So that was a, that was an interesting, interesting first taste of you're being told you also have to write a few thousand words about it. Wow. I didn't realise you, you were completely a, a, a novice when it came to rugby. I know obviously you, you covered Worcester for a while, but um, what was that like? Coming from a football background, going into the egg chasing. That's just the same, isn't it? Four four two, get it wide, <laughs> attack, yeah, defence. Yeah. yeah, just it's just exactly the same. Um, yeah, I think the readers probably knew that I was feeling my way into it. Let's uh, <laughs> let's let's leave it at that. An outstanding sport, uh, and someone else who is outstanding. I'm hoping still with us. He's just frozen on my video. Is Ross Halls? Ross, are you still with us? I'm still here. How do I look? Frozen. I'm going to take a picture and send it to you, mate. It's not, it's not a flattering image, I'll say. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> Anywho, uh, don't know what to say. How are you, mate? Awesome. Have you, have you, have you, have you discovered anything new, um, like like bounties in recent in recent days? Uh no, really. It's just more the the comment I mentioned before recording about you know footballers getting their hair cut. I'm a bit, I'm a wild man at the moment with my hair and beard and. You know, you get these footballers got fresh trims and stuff. You're like, yeah, they must live with hairdressers or you know, you know, anything. But yeah, look, it's, it's very, it's very important as a footballer to have a fresh haircut, especially at Premier League level. Ross, um, we are mere mortals, so it's all right for you to look like a feral man of the woods, but certainly not for uh, for Premier League footballers. They need their haircuts. Boys would normally start with uh, the result from the weekend, which obviously was a good one, if if unimpressive, and we'll get on to that. In due course, but I want to start with something to uh, to rev people's engines. Sexy stuff. There's been a development, Hutchie, on a town potential signing. Josh Harrop, creative number ten. We think that deal is close. If you're if you're a Bang Keen podcast listener, the deal is close. If you're moderately paced in 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 when you're listening to this, the hopefully hopefully the deal is done. Um, believe. Believe he's in in Ipswich in Suffolk today for all the medical stuff, get, getting all of that sorted. The delay with it was from the Preston end. I think Ipswich would have had this done two weeks ago had it been up to them. The interest was there. They they made that known. A, a deal was essentially agreed. Initially, Preston stalling, unsure if they wanted him to go out on loan. Then they wanted to get a body in, which they did last week with a really good signing for them. Ben Whiteman from Doncaster, who we've seen a few times now. Um, up there as being one of League One's best players, so a good a good signing for them, and, and that's freed up Harrop to come here. So it's nearly done, or it's done, depending on what time you're listening to this, and, and it could well be announced today, which is which is Monday. Mm. Uh, and now, obviously, we, we've said before, Town have said before they wanted to get creativity through the door uh, in this window. Where do you see Harrop fitting in the Town team, and, and how good of a signing is he, Hutchie? He's a, he's a number ten. That's that's why he's coming here. Um, he's played a lot of his football at Preston 
been kind of shoehorned in wide on the left to get him into the side, but he sees himself as a number 10. Ipswich see him as a number 10, and that's why they've been able to get a deal done. Hull, Hull were interested in him, but I think I think he probably would have found game time maybe a little harder there. Um, and also, they could, I'm not sure they could have guaranteed him that spot as a number 10, but Ipswich, by all accounts, have made it clear that's where they see him playing. So, that's that's where he'll play. Teddy Bishop played there kind of at, at, at the weekend. Um, he'll come into the mix for that. Hopefully, obviously, hope hopefully it's all done as we feel like it's going to be. He'll he'll be in contention for for Peterborough, and um, yeah, we will we will wait and see. He's certainly he's certainly a talented young man. He's a Manchester United youth. He's 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 good on the ball. He's creative. He can see the pitch well. He can spot gaps. He's got a set piece on him scoring goals directly from free kicks and take corners, uh, which is something they've missed. So in theory, in theory, yes, I think it should be a good signing for Ipswich, but there are a few issues with with injury hamstrings of late, which which are obviously concerning. But we'll um we'll wait and see on this one. Um it, it looks like it's a pretty congested area of the pits for Ipswich, doesn't it? In terms of like Bishop, Judge, Lancaster, El Mazzuni, Dobrubber Clearly, the way clearly they've signed him because he thinks that Lambert thinks that that he's going to leapfrog these mm. guys and and be um be one of the main one of the main men. So I, I look forward to seeing him play. Mm. They're definitely bringing him as a starter, aren't they? There's no reason to to sign him otherwise unless he's going to start. Yeah. yeah, Roscoe, you're still frozen on my screen, but I'm going to continue speaking to you until you you prove <laughs> otherwise. Um, Josh Harrop, how excited are you about him signing for town? I'm just excited for a new face, you know, in the building. I'm sure Hutchie's looking forward to seeing what squad number he's going to get. Um, I don't know what's available. What's available? You're going up into the 20s, I think. Um, okay. Silly numbers. Yeah, needs must. In a needs must situation now. Just my my concern. If if we're getting into this now, are we are we go are we are we going in? Ross has segwayed. Let's go into it. Yeah. <clears throat> Okay, my concern is that Manchester United, he wore number 46, I believe. Oh, um, this is what Will Keane did. This is why Will Keane wore number 48. Or no uh, no kind of premier numbers were available for for Will. So he thought, what else could I do? Let's go to let's go to my Manchester United number that I wore on the way through. And for Harrop, that was 46, which clearly, clearly is available at it. Ipswich. I think it is anyway. Actually, it, yeah. it may well not be given all the all the kids that wore numbers in the in the um the, in the trophy. Let this is important. Let me let what me number, let me. What number did Ross Crane wear? I'm sure he was in the 40s, wasn't he? You know who number 46 is? He can't have it. Elkin, Elkin Baggett. Ah, the big Ooh. man. No chance. Ooh. No chance. You can't have you can't have 46. That's good. So I think I think he'll probably end up somewhere in the somewhere in the 20s. I haven't shared on the Elkin Baggett subject. I haven't shared the nickname with the Kawe Army, have I? Um, baggy Trousers. Think it's going to catch on? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. It's a no from me. A, I'm sure it's a no from everyone pretty much. But hey, at least it's a starting point. It's a base, it's a base to build on. I think, um, he'll wear, I think he'll wear 27. Again, that's nonsense. Um, now, Hutchie, obviously, if Town have brought Harrop in, they need to, to get someone else off the books, out the squad. Um, uh, and as we said before, it's likely to be Janoy Dinasio. And there was, there was an update on him over the weekend as well. Um, Town turning down an offer for him. 
Yeah, um, which is a, an interesting one on, on the face of it. For, firstly, in terms of moving a player out of the squad, that's for salary cap purposes. You can only have 22 players age 21 or over. Ipswich currently only they have a squad space in, in that regard. They So they could add Harrop without having to do any of that juggling. What they don't have is the salary is the salary cap room, which they are right up against. So they need to drop a senior wage out for for the salary cap, two and a half million pounds annual salary cap. So that's why a player not has to go. It's not a question of space in the squad. It's to do with just how tight they are up against the cap, which feels really good to talk about, Mark, because this is this is this this is basketball. This is this is the NFL. This is great. Yeah. Cap, cap room. <laughs> I've got a massive grin on my face when you start talking about cap space <laughs> and roster slots and stuff like that. <laughs> Need to free up, free up some cap. Yeah, uh, that's that's right up my street. Sorry, uh, Carol. Yeah, so so what you can do with the cap is obviously obviously a player leaving would would do that. They don't necessarily have to leave, but they can also be left out. So there could be a scenario where if if a player doesn't leave, um, they can be left out of that of that squad. So. They would still be an Ipswich Town player. Presumably, they'd still come in and train, but they would simply be unavailable to loan. Uh, sorry, unavailable to play. Um, Donatian's an obvious candidate for both both of those scenarios potentially. Um, however, this in th- in this case, they've rejected a permanent offer from Plymouth. It's a nominal fee. It's not really registering as a as a fee com- compared to the seven hundred and fifty thousand pounds that they spent for hit on him two years ago and Ipswich would much rather would much rather loan him out um which on the face of it is a bit odd isn't it it um it doesn't really add up for a player that Paul Lambert just simply doesn't want to use he's he's not played a league minute this season he's not been on the league on a bench in the league for months now but Paul Lambert doesn't make those decisions. It's Marcus Evans making those decisions. And Marcus Evans is a man that two years ago spent £750,000 on Janoi Donassian. He's, he's been a real investment for Marcus in, in that sense. And they he's out of contract in the summer, which is another reason why you think they might take anything that came their way. But they also have a 12-month extension clause on that deal, which if you look at it from Marcus Evans' point of view... That's a seven hundred and fifty thousand pound asset in his in his mind potentially granted. I think he would have to accept that that has depreciated significantly since then. But he's an asset that he could have under his control for another twelve months, and I don't think it's completely wild possibility that they actually take the option on on his contract and keep him because otherwise you otherwise you are letting up a seven hundred and fifty thousand pound asset simply walk out the door for for nothing or or next to nothing. It's a it's a fascinating one. I don't know on the outside looking in at it, Mark. What do you make of what do you make of it? It doesn't quite add up, does it? But I can also see some reasoning. I just feel sorry for Genoi. Um, I mean, yeah. we, obviously, you and Stu had a really good chat about it on the on the Thursday pod last week about how useful he could potentially be in the squad at town with, with town at the moment, and actually in, in boot room that me and Stu did on on Friday previewing the the Burton game. Stu actually had him in his starting lineup. Um, now, for me. I've never seen Genoi have a have a, a bad game really for town. He's always done all right when he's been called on. Obviously, he's he's um, he's versatile. Uh, he offers cover all over the the back line. Um, I just feel sorry for him. Uh, yeah, clearly Lambert doesn't fancy him for some reason, dating back to the Villa days. Uh, but if I was Genoi, I just want to I just want to get the hell out of here and yeah. start playing football somewhere. It just feels a bit unfair to yeah. him. 
I'm sure. I'm sure a, a move to Plymouth would appeal. It's a really good club. It would be a, a multi-year contract down there, a chance to play. That would appeal. That would appeal to him. I, I think it's maybe, maybe interesting to think about whether, whether it, we're obviously talking about Paul Lambert and his future as manager quite a lot at the moment. Mm. Is is there a cause that potentially a different manager may look at him differently, and that could be a reason why? You're not willing to let an asset simply walk away that you could have under under your control for another twelve months. Just just as a hypothetical, if if there is another manager coming in in the summer, you'd rather loan him out. Presumably, yeah. would play games, which would push the value up. Um, take the option, and then somebody else can cast an eye over set over a seven hundred and fifty thousand pound player and make a make a decision from there. I think there's every chance he does leave this this month on loan. Um, Accrington still very keen on having him back just to add to that merry-go-round of uh, of joy up and down to the Wham Stadium for him um, constant yo-yoing but um, yeah I think I think it's interesting that really interesting actually the way that this one's being handled because it points quite heavily onto the thought process for, for all involved I like it Hutchie conspiracy theory interesting the curious case of Genoi Dinashian continues Ross what would you do with Genoi as you said, he's not had a bad game that I can think of at town. Um, you know, he's not the most exciting going forward, but I think he's a pretty solid player. He's a right back. Luke Chambers is not a right back. I know he played there under Mick and, you know, did really well, but he's 35. We have another 35 right left back. You know, play players in their correct positions. You know, Genoi, I think, would do a job. Mm. And um, I think any club he goes to, I think Akraton will be a great move for him. They're doing really well. As I said, I think in the last one, last pod, you know, what if he goes to Akraton, Akraton get in the playoffs and then we don't get in the playoffs and then Genoi's part of that promotion push for Akraton and uh, yeah. we're thinking, well, well done, Paul. But, but yeah, you know, I feel, do still feel sorry for Genoi, but I think maybe it'd be best for him to, to go to another club and uh, play games finally. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and just before we move on to talk about the game from the weekend, boys, in this roundup of sexy stuff, um, just Freddie Sears, Hutchie, there was a little bit of an update, wasn't there, last week? We talked about him being linked to Colchester and Steve Ball, the Colchester manager, um, was asked about him and, and had a few words about him. Yeah, I, I think it was just, uh, yeah, they're interested in him. They like him. It's not one that they feel like is going to happen. Uh, and, and that's probably where that's at. Uh, I'd, I'd imagine Freddie will probably be here until the end of the season at least. And we've got, depending on what happens with his contract, he's one of the army of players that's out, out of contract in the summer. Um, this could well be one that gets talked about again in a few months' time. But um, seemingly seemingly, it's a no, a no for January. Mm. OK, then, boys, let's move on. Burton Albion, Ipswich Town went there. Rock bottom, as I've been writing all weekend. Rock bottom Burton. Um, we know they needed a result and they needed a win. And um, they needed to do something towards changing the narrative. They got a one-nil win. I don't think it really will change anything. Um, but let's talk about the game. What what did you make of it first of all, Hutchie? And let's start with the the team selection because that raised quite a few eyebrows when it came out with the amount of returning players. Obviously, Wolfenden was dropped. Holy was in goal. What did you make of that? First of all, I got in a bit of trouble with Paul Hurst for calling Ipswich rock bottom when they're bottom of the league. Yeah, so I would expect a call from Jimmy Floyd, Mark, if you've been been banding that around willy nilly all weekend. Um, I'd take that call. I'd I'd like to have a chat with Jimmy. (laughs) 
Hi, Jimmy. <laughs> it's, it's Mark Heath here. <laughs> that would be a meet. That would be a meeting I'd love to see. Yeah. Um, yeah, team team selection. It felt like changes changes were on the way, and they were six of them in total. Um, the team itself looked a looked a, a beefed up one, a strong one. Um, but there was just an obvious underlying kind of injury current there of of Downs, Norwood, Edwards. Am I forgetting somebody else? Bishop, uh, who, who were all starting this game and were undoubtedly undercooked for it. But I think that's a, a sign of the position Ipswich were in that they were that uh, Paul Lambert was going to go with that, and uh, and that's what they went with. But on the on paper, it was a, a beefed up Ipswich side. I, I liked the look of it. The other two changes, I'm not sure about changing the goalkeeper. Um, I don't think David Cornell had done a, an awful lot wrong to be to be dropped. Um, saying that, if you look at if you look at results on paper over the last two seasons, and I'm not saying he's had a huge influence on this, but Holy's been the man in goal when Ipswich have had their best runs of form in both seasons so far. So maybe maybe that was a a sign of I don't know is that a back to basic sign from Lambert? I don't know. Mm. Harsh harsh on Cornell though. Um, Toto coming in at centre-half, I had a feeling that he would replace one of those young centre-halves. And, and and while I'm sure that there's plenty of talk about whether the move to replace Wolfenden was based around the interview that, that Luke gave and uh, and some things related to that, I'm not sure you can completely argue that... You can't argue that he hasn't been at his best. He's not been the Luke Wolfenden that we know Um and I think it benefited from having a, a senior, a more more senior head in there in the middle. So on the face, I like the look of the team. Um, but obviously, you went into the game with some some very obvious concerns about just how ready those four players in particular were to shoulder the burden they're being asked to. Mm. Yeah, for me, I mean, obviously, it, it prompted a lot of gnashing of teeth and anger and and kind of outrage uh, as anything that Lambert does at the moment. That that team, but for me, like. If, as far as I'm concerned, you, you pick your best players, don't you? Yes, they're, uh, they haven't played for a while and they may be undercooked, an excellent term, actually, not used enough, uh, in my opinion. But surely you go with your strongest players. And if those players are available, you pick them, I think, especially for a game that you have to win. Uh, and, and with Wolfenden, um, as you say, uh, people kind of deciding that it was clearly because of that interview he gave. But the fact is, he's not been at, he's not been at it this season. So why not bring in a replacement who ends up going on to be to be man of the match. Um, for me, that's a, that's a good decision. Ross, what did you make of the uh, of the team selection? Oh, yeah, I agree with you. You know, oh, I always do fear when players who have been out injured for a few well months um, and then get chucked straight in, like you know, Guion and stuff like that. But if they're if he if you're confident for them to play and play the full 90, then yeah, why not chuck him in? And definitely, I agree with you with Toto. You know, Wolfie's not been at it mm. the last few games. And, you know, I always fear about Toto, you know, bless him. But, you know, he does have their moments where I'm like, ooh, ooh. But, yeah, he was solid. I know it was only against Burton Albion, who were bottom of the league, and they were never likely to score, really. Not only that one chance, you know, that Chambers block. But, yeah, it was just it was just good that we had our best players playing. And, um but just unfortunately, we just didn't create anything for you know Norwood to score. Guion had the ball a few times and made made things happen, but not enough to warrant any actually close chances. But yeah, hopefully now going into two big games against Peterborough and Sunderland, we've got our best players and hopefully we'll mm. get results. But we'll see. 
Yeah, we'll talk about those games to to end the podcast. I mean, obviously as well, the, the point to make is no one's being forced to play. Um, <laughs> Lambert is asking players if they reckon they can play. Uh, and of course, they're saying, yes, they want to play. So for my mind, if you, you try and pick your strongest team available, uh, and that's what he did, uh, and Town got the result. Interesting point that, that Terry Hunt, uh, former editor of the Anglian and, and North Stand Economist for us, made in his piece this morning, saying talking about team selection and this kind of negativity and kind of toxicness around whatever Lambert does and making what I thought was a, was a a good point, a strong point, saying that not everything he does is wrong. You know, not every decision he makes is a terrible one. And clearly in this case, bringing in Toto was a good decision. Um, you know, not everything is Lambert's fault. Clearly, he's not having the best of times as town manager. We've talked about that. There are many reasons to believe that he's failing, but you can't just say everything he does is wrong. Um so, Hutchie, Town went on. They got the win. Um, I put up the highlights yesterday as part of my Sunday shift, and it's fair to say the highlights were, were brief. Uh, and even in, there, even in there, they included things which weren't really highlights, like people clearing things for corners and stuff like that. Um, what, what did you make of the game as a whole uh, and your thoughts about you know who stood out and, and how it... <clears throat> I think they were, on a, they were on a hiding to nothing going into this one, really, because they were expected to win. And we knew going into it, even if they did win, it wouldn't, like you said at the very beginning of this chat about the game, it wouldn't change anything. And it hasn't. Um, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure there's an awful lot to grumble with after this. They they weren't great. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't attack with wave after wave. They, they weren't knocking on the door. It was a game of few chances, but it was a pretty ugly game all told. Mm. Um, the pitch was really quite boggy at times. It, it wasn't it wasn't great at all. Um, I think somebody, I, so I think it was said maybe on the radio that the, the summariser on the radio was saying that it, it looked like in really good condition. It, it it maybe did on the on the TV cameras, but it was it was really quite boggy. Burton were tight, congested. They've got big big centre-backs, Boswick, who eventually came into the game early on for John Joe at all, makes it, makes it rugged and difficult, but they got it, they got it done. It was, however they got it done was never going to change the narrative and they've got some minutes into the legs of these players. So there's certainly not going to go overboard about it because the performance was no better than, than the Swindon game a week ago. Uh, they struggled, struggled to create, struggled to do an awful lot, but, um, they got it done, and, and aside from that, I, I can't really grumble too much about it. But all it, all it does is just kick the can further forward to two games with Peterborough and Sunderland now, which are where it's which are falling down time and time again. Um, the expectation is that they're going to fall down time and time again, and, and it's just bringing those into the forefront. So I think that's all this game is all this game has done. They're they're on a bit of a hiding to nothing. Yeah, they just needed to get the win, didn't they? Um, I thought so. Get, get the win, um, move on. Obviously, as you say, unless they won four or five, it was never going to change the narrative. So they've got the win. They now move on to these two games we're going to talk about in a bit. Roscoe, something that happens every week um, on the KOA podcast group chat uh, is normally around 3.30, 3.45. You send a message that says, town is shit um, <laughs> to the group. <laughs> Uh, and, and true to form, you did so again this week. You, you word it differently. Um, I think you said they were effing rubbish this week. Um, but you obviously weren't that impressed. Talk a little bit about your, your thoughts on the game before we move on. Um, I'm going to start with the positives. Yeah. We won. Yeah. Clean sheet. 
Um, Toto didn't concede a penalty. Um, he almost shanked an own goal, though, didn't he? There was that that yeah. heart in mouth moment. But you know, Holy was there. Holy was there to you know pick it up and and there. But uh, just oh, the first half was just dreadful, wasn't it? It's just I did that Will McKenzie quote. You know, you, you know what it is. Um, but then you know, I'm not going to blame the pitch, but the pitch was unplayable at times. I felt like we couldn't do our normal possession play. Really, we had to go long ball because trying to play on that pitch, I'm sure. For any player, even like the best players, I'm sure playing on terrible pitches is never good to do. Um, yeah, the game was just a standard bottom of the league tie, really, weren't it? I think we went down to Burton's level, really, and I was just it was never was be, it was never going to be a free flowing no sex, sexy football, was it? It was never going to be five all. Um, no, I think if this if this had happened, if this game had happened in amongst a run of, of fairly decent results and just level mood, it would it would be received as such, maybe as kind of a, yeah, job done, ugly conditions, move on. But that that isn't the mood at the moment. It, it wasn't a step up in quality in any way from the from the Swindon game. Cre- creativity wasn't necessarily there for long, long spells of it. They didn't have a shot on target for a long time, weren't knocking the door down. And that's just what, that's what we want to see from Ipswich. Now we want to see signs of it progressing and moving forward, which you can't argue that this game was any kind of progression or, or moving forward other than seeing that the players back on the pitch. And, and like I said, it just kicks, kicks the mood further down the can to the games where the real scrutiny comes. And, um, yeah, it's going to be a big few, big few days, but we'll talk about that a lot more in the future, I'm sure. Was it a uh, Hutchie? Was it a pudding of a pitch? It was a pudding of a pitch. There's yeah, not, that doesn't get used enough nowadays. Uh, no. we need more pudding of pitches. Uh, <laughs> Tell you what, it, it wasn't a, like a pudding in terms of the pudding that driving along to get out of Suffolk on on Saturday oh, morning. That oh, was yeah. a. It's like two different worlds. Like woke up and like slushing around in the snow to get out of Suffolk, and as soon as you got past kind of Bury St Edmunds it, like the the world opened up and there was, wasn't a drop it was amazing it was amazing like you would you'd never have guessed that it had been snowing by the time you got to Burton so you can't you can't blame the snow on anything like that but yeah it was a, a fun start to the day anyway indeed indeed um boys I think we should before we move on to talk about Peterborough and Sunderland uh, I think we should have a little Light relief break, uh, and we do that in one of two ways on this. Of course, the strike tends to be a later in the week treat. So let's do a Mark's big question. Mark's big question. Question, question, question. Well then, boys, a question this week, which is kind of shakily based around town's performances at the moment is what would you like to be able to erase from your memory and then rediscover now obviously with town you'd like to erase quite a few of their games this season in terms of watching them and then potentially probably not rediscover them to be honest but something you'd like to to forget about and then rediscover my um my answer to this would probably be uh well i've got two answers in terms of things that i've seen and places that i've been um, the Colosseum in Rome, which I think is probably the best thing I've ever seen with my own eyes. Um, I'd love to be able to forget that I'd ever seen that and rediscover it again. Although, to be fair, I'd like to see it again anyway. 
um, because, because it is amazing. We discovered it in the best way. We got lost in Rome um, and then suddenly it appeared at the end of the road we were walking down. And we were like, shit, that's the Colosseum. Um, and it's hard, it's, hard, it's hard to state until you've been to the Colosseum just how impressive it is. And obviously the history of it, um, the fact they used to be able to flood it and, and kind of stage mock sea battles. Obviously all the gladiators that used to come out of its bowels and fight. Um, just a tremendous piece of history. So I'd, I'd really like to see that again for the first time. A, a really kind of moving and a powerful thing to see. I'd recommend if you've not seen it, make sure you go and see it when we can travel again. Um, and TV-wise, I guess a lot of people would answer that um, in terms of TV, Breaking Bad. I've seen it three or four times all the way through and it's brilliant, but I'd really like to be able to forget about it and rediscover it all again because what a what a series that is. Ross, what would you like to be able to erase from your memory and rediscover? Does food count? Like, yes, that, yeah, everything, yeah. everything counts. Okay, just just loads of different meals, really. Like I love I love omelets. I just love omelets. And just amazing. Why do, I, why, do you, why do you love omelets so passionately? I mean, they are. Know. Don't get me wrong, they're nice, but I, I'd never profess undying love. Because I don't know. I only really it was only a few years ago where I actually discovered like how to make omelets and stuff. And you know, you can chuck anything you want in an omelet, can't you? So it just it's very adaptable and stuff. What's um, your favourite omelet? I love courgettes. In omelets. What? Yeah, what, what, is go, what is going on? A courgette omelette. What else do you yeah. have? With and it? you add cheese and you add some like ham and stuff, you know, mix it, yeah. you know, it's nice. Wow. But, I've never heard yeah. of ham and courgette omelette. You are uh, a trailblazer in more ways than one. But um of course, you know, just yeah. <laughs> of course there's a lot of town games to erase and yep. never to discover again. Um because, yeah, there's plenty of those, definitely last season and this season, um, and also growing up in the Paul Jewell and Roy Keane era. Uh, you know, there's loads of films and TV programs, too many to name, really. Um, and then, you know, I've I'm, I'm, oh, got a bit of a tangent here. Keep going. Uh, yeah, keep going, mate. Of course, you know, meet, meeting my girlfriend, you know, our oh, first meeting. Oh, you know, Luke. Right, right. right. Let's move on. You lose on. Is she in the is she in the room? No. Yeah. No. I'd I'd like to forget about meeting my beautiful girlfriend and rediscover her all over again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, grow up. <laughs> he's he loves young green still lived in the Hall's household. He's Punch got a, he's got a heart in the background on, I know. His, on, he's on all... where he's sitting as well. Just... <laughs> oh how lovely. What about you, Hutchie? What would you erase? Would you erase omelets and rediscover them? <laughs> no it's a mixture of your both of your two actually it's food based and it's italy based yeah I, I would like to erase the memory of going to this incredible incredible pizza place in Na in naples mm. uh, pizza di micheli which has uh, been there hundreds of years um it's outrageously good pizza um i'd just quite like to forget that that ever happened one because every pizza i ever eat now doesn't doesn't Spoil. stack up um, and two, I'd just like to do it again and experience it again because it's this tiny little place which you get outside and there they were like, this was like a Tuesday lunchtime or something. We got there and there was like 40 people queuing outside. There's there's room for another 40 people inside. It's one in, one out. You have to sit kind of where you're told. You queue, you go in. They've only got two different things on the menu. Um, you order it. You sit with, I, we ended up sitting with 
a bloke from America and this Russian guy just eating this incredible pizza. Um, is, that place, is that the place where they, they claim to have discovered pizza or created pizza? Uh, I think they, they kind of, yeah, it, I'm not sure they necessarily created it, but they, they're very much kind of the beating heart of Neapolitan pizza, which is where it was in, invented. Yeah. Um, but it's so it's so good and really cheap as well. What were the really options? You say there were two options. What were the, obviously, one of them was margarita, which is the classic. Yeah. Um, the other one, it wasn't much different. I I don't think it had an off. I think it might have just had basil on it, extra basil or something. Let me have a look because I did have I had the menu up a minute ago. Mar- margarita pizza obviously created um, to reflect the Italian flag. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean that sounds tremendous. Actually, Ross, you've got family in Naples, haven't you? So you must be familiar with the the. Uh, the yeah, I've been there. there. I've been there too. Oh, you've been there, yeah. Yeah, been there too. Yeah. There's a knockoff version of these in London, um, where they've kind of it, it's the same kind. They've kind of sold out a little bit, and I think someone's bought the name off them to do it in London. But from what I gather, it's not even not even close. You're making me want pizza now, Hutchie. Uh, this is what Stu did to me the other week when we did this, and I ended up, I ended up getting on. So that's one of them. What's what's your other thing, Hutchie? Or is that's that it? it. That, that's it. that's it. That's it. That and omelets. Courgettes. <laughs> <laughs> Courgettes and omelets. Roscoe, you never cease to amaze me, and and uh, uh, yeah, inspire as well. If that's the word. Yeah, inspire. Yeah. Inspire. Um, okay. KOA Army, if you do decide to go and have a, have yourself a cheese and uh, courgette omelette, let us know how that pans out for you. Boys, um, moving on from Mark's big question. Again, I think we've all learned a bit about each other. Um, also made me want a pizza. Before Christmas, actually, the last time Town played Burton, they beat him 2-1. Uh, crazily, that was only two games ago. And we started that podcast, um, and I called it, I think, papering over the cracks. But this one, I think, in terms of in terms of going forward, if you could kind of sum it up, it would be sink or swim time, wouldn't it? You've got Peterborough this this Saturday. You've got Sunderland the following Tuesday. Town, they've just got a win they needed to, to get to change the narrative and to have any chance of turning things around. They now have to show that they can beat promotion rivals, something they've consistently failed to do over the last two seasons. They've got an opportunity to do that with two home games against two big promotion rivals. What do you reckon? Not feeling particularly confident about it. <laughs> um, I'm not sure there are. I'm not sure that I'm not sure too many, too many people will be. Um, I think sink or swim's fair. Um, they've regularly, they've regularly sunk, <laughs> as as this has been particularly this season, mm. where they, they had that run of of home defeats, Portsmouth, Charlton, Hull, with, without even scoring. Um, not really in, not really in those games, which is sort of the first, the first thing they need to do is be in these games it's Peterborough first they're coming off a 3-0 victory over MK Dons um in which it it sounds like it sounds like after being a team of individuals um playing playing so far this season having some decent results in there they're they're starting to click ominously into a into kind of the well-oiled machine that we thought they would be going going forward so um it's all quite ominous Ipswich need to be better I'm sure we'll go into these individual games in a lot more detail when we when we do the the second pod later in the week. But right now on a Monday, you know, there's, you know, 
you'd have to be the optimist of all optimists to go into this thinking that all of a sudden they're they're going to go in there and take six points from from two games. It's not impossible, but the, the weight of history is really quite heavy and yeah. um you're right this, that's the only thing that's going to change people's mind on this season isn't it if they if they they need to win these games and they should be winning these games by now that the record in them is is quite frankly abysmal isn't it so yeah i mean obviously the, i suppose they they do have players back what yep in terms of, I mean, we'll get into this later on in the week in terms of what, what um, they should do ahead of these games. But just going, I mean, Caden Jackson at the weekend completely dropped out the squad. Did you, yeah. Did, that was bizarre, wasn't it? I mean, obviously, we, 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 spoke, we spoke about him not really working on the wing, but to completely drop him out totally. Yeah, which obviously then brought, uh, he's gone, he's been sold yeah. um, kind of things. He was sat behind us, um, didn't look... Hits that with Emir Hughes also dropped out of the squad, gone on a gone on a weekend to Burton, sort of in the hotels and stuff, and not making nice. not making the bench must be pretty galling. Um, yeah, slightly odd to have both Hawkins and Drynan, who really should have scored a goal by now. Mark, so close, he's, so close. He's, yeah, he he's the master of those headers that clip the top of the bar. Yeah. I think that's the third one of those he's had this season. And then to have him and Hawkins on the bench, who are, who are really quite similar players, like you say, a bit a bit odd, um, mm. a bit odd. I would I, I would imagine that that Jackson will come back into the eighteen uh, into the eighteen next weekend. That's for sure. But yeah, um, what was the question? I've, <laughs> I'm lost. There wasn't really a question. I just. <laughs> Just, um, I remembered we'd forgotten to talk about yeah. Kate. Okay, that's Friday. done. Well. We've, We've talked done it. About it. We've also mentioned Drizzy, which obviously was important, almost scoring. On the same day that I finally put up that shirt that you boys kindly bought for me um, at KOA Live 1, it went on the wall and I thought I'd, I'd, I'd given Drizzy some, some look. Uh, but unfortunately, it didn't It didn't turn out like that as he clipped the crossbar again. Roscoe, how are you feeling going into these games? Obviously, you'll be there. Town have got to win at least one of them. They've got to, to show that they can beat promotion rivals have you got any confidence at all that they can no unfortunately not um <laughs> i've just looked at peterborough they, they drew with burton so they weren't able to beat burton but we were so there you, you know, go th- there we go but no you know the last time we played peterborough was at Porton road and we lost 4-1 and that was uh not a good night of course fans were in the in the stadium for that and i do remember a lot of boos and yeah, fans were not happy, and uh, I remember having David on game day, and uh, yeah, he was not a happy bunny. Uh, there was a lot of bleeps having to be made for him. Uh, yeah, but you know, we could get a surprise. We could pull a result out of the bag. You know, a draw would be a draw be a bad result. I know that's horrible. You know, it's a, <laughs> I hate that cliche. You know, a point is a point, but they've got to perform, haven't they? It, yeah, it's got to yeah. be. It's got to be a. It's not a bad result in isolation, of course it isn't. But they've got to they've got to be really in the game and, and knocking on the door and trading blows with a really good team. It isn't a bad result, but there comes a time where those getting a draw from it is isn't good enough. Like they they, they need to prove that they can beat them because that's what's gonna that's what's gonna change the rhetoric, isn't it? They have to beat them. That's mm. not saying that they have to win this next one. Otherwise, it's a another disaster. But at some point, you can't just you can't you can't not answer the question of, of whether you're capable of beating them or not. Because at the moment, mm. the answer to that question is no. They have mm. to beat these teams. 
Mm. And for me, this is why I'm saying it's sink or swim because they've got what they needed at Burton. Now they've got these two promotion rivals coming up. After those two games, you're pretty much exactly halfway through the season um, and you're getting there to a point where decisions need to start being made um, about the future direction of things. So that for me is why these games are so important. Uh, And, you know, as you say, Hutchie, only a... only a win and convincing performances will will change the narrative if indeed it can be changed. So we shall yeah. see. We'll, we'll talk about that much much more uh, in depth later on in the week. Um, anything else to mention, boys, before we take our leave? A pretty there's under twenty three game at Millwall today with okay. um with some some names in it. Um, Danasian, Kenlock, Lancaster, Elmazuni, Dobra. Some game time, some game time for them, which is, which is going to be useful, isn't it? But I think it shows you where probably those those players are in terms of pecking order and in terms of the attacking players, they're all going to drop down a place, aren't they? If Harrop yeah. does does come in, so um, I know Dobra turned down a loan deal before, but he's clearly going to be available for one again now. I would have thought, and and it looks to me like El Mazzuni will probably go out again as well, having not been not been involved since mm-hmm. coming back. Lancaster's an interesting one, isn't he? He's yeah, pretty... yeah. He's he's done all right. He's, yeah, he's just he's just never had never had a run at it. I know I know they're slightly cautious about it because of his back and everything, but he's had no issues with that by all accounts. And I don't know what you think, Ross, but he's been he's shown flashes of what he can do with. But I, I, they seem stuck between thinking whether he's a winger or a number ten. Mm. Um. And, ha- and has, hasn't managed to claim either. Yeah, I think, yeah, I'm sure they're going to be cautious with the injury and they're going to try to bed him, bed him into the team. But I thought, you know, when he, you know, in December, you know, he scored the goal against Shrewsbury. Of course, that game was not great, but he scored that goal. And I thought, you know, now he's cemented himself into the team, but now he's now having to play under 23s football again. And we all know that under 23s football now is just not good for them. You know, like Dobra and El Mazzucci yeah. to the light, they need to get loaned out. Would Lancaster yeah. get loaned out? That would be the that'd yeah. be that big question. Well, I, yeah, I, you're right. I, I think 23 football, I think they're, they're beyond that. They've graduated from that. They It's not playing that, certainly not playing that regularly, regularly isn't going to benefit them. I can I can see that getting some match minutes now and again would help. Same with Denashian and Kenlock today. Clearly they're well beyond 23. But um yeah, they're they're beyond that now, aren't they? You'd think uh, some proper football somewhere would be the real benefit for them. We shall see, boys. Anything else to mention before we uh, before we get on with our our working day? No, no other business. Roscoe, Ross Crane's on the bench, so hopefully he comes on and scores against Millwall. There we go. The Crane train, <laughs> yes. Get yeah. Um, all right, then. Bag, baggy trousers is playing as well. If you're asking, <laughs> baggy. I think I think work needs to be done on that particular nickname. Did, just did, you, have, did you have another one? Wasn't there another one? Was there? I can't remember now. Yeah, I don't know if it was shareable though. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I swear you had another one for him. I, I probably did. I'm, I'm, I'm a hive of nicknames. Bagpuss. That was it. Bagpuss again. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's going to catch on, and also demonstrates my age because I bet Ross has got no idea what bagpuss is. Is that a cat or something? Yeah, it is a cat. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Now, now that you're 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 well up there with your modern references, Mark. <laughs> I'm aging myself now, aren't I, boys? All, right, then. Um, all that's left to say then is just to leave us a five star review on iTunes if you can, because um, it helps helps us greatly with visibility in the charts. We've had some really nice ones recently, so much appreciated for the people who've been doing that. 
Um, great to see that you enjoy the show and also follow us across all our social medias, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Um, have a great start to the week. It sounds like we're going to get some good news to start the week with Town bringing someone in, Josh Harrop from Preston. So I suggest to celebrate that you go off and make yourself a cheese and courgette omelette in true Roscoe style. Enjoy the start of the week and we'll speak to you again later on this week. Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.